1: Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, some 41, 30 seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. This is Jeff T from the Club 520 Podcast. When it comes to your feet, eBay's got your back. When you see the blue check mark that says authenticity guaranteed, that means real experts are checking your sneakers. Every stitch down to the sole. They even smell them because nothing says fresh like the scent of real kicks. So kick back and relax. From the drop to your doorstep, eBay doesn't play games with your sneaker game. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal with eBay authenticity Guaranteed. Visit ebay.com for terms. No! Oh my God, how could he do that? Are you on? Donate What? To...
2: what?
0: Charles Darwin.
2: The nerves is where it's at.
0: Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Drabber and alongside me is Logan Camden and we have a real humdinger of a show for you all today because the NBA regular season is just a couple days away, which means we got a lot of wrapping up to do on the season, obviously, before we get into the play-in and playoffs. So today we're going to do that. We're going to give out all of our NBA award and All-NBA selections, we've got a ton to get through, so we're not going to waste any more time. Let's begin, Logan, with the race that has dominated the NBA dialogue really quite a bit this season, especially down the home stretch. A pretty phenomenal race overall. We both talked about where we still stand pretty recently, so I don't know if we need to go through the full thing again here, but most valuable player in the league this season, who is it to you, Logan?
2: Uh, I went with Nikola Jokic, and uh, yeah, I think this is one of the most competitive MVP races of our lifetime. Um, yeah, in terms of uh, arguments against Jokic, again, I think you can give him Bead and Giannis a slight edge in uh, defense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, Jokic is still Jokic has become a really good defender at this point. Um, he's uh, he's phenomenal, but. Uh, defense is still where he doesn't quite stack up. The the number of Carson that really gave me the edge and, and made concretely to me two, three significant numbers in Jokic's case. One, total differential um, plus 18.5. It's by far the biggest mark in the league. Like, it makes no sense. Yeah. The Nuggets are 15.1 points pe- better per 100 possessions with Jokic on the floor. They play like a 60 win team with him on the floor, an 18 win team with him off. And then. So, not only the volume, you know, I think people have seen this number circulating as well. Like, he's the first player in NBA history to put up, I can't remember what it was, like the marks are... 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, 500 assists. Bam, right off the spot. Yes, that number. I mean, everybody knows that number, but it's also all that with 27, 14, and 8 on 66% true shooting. And that was a number that, to me, just, uh, I, I was flabbergasted Mm-hmm. I don't even mean that. I genuinely I think my jaw hit the floor when I saw that number. <laughs> it's by far the highest number out of everybody. And there's been some impressive guys this season. Giannis is at 63% true shooting. Embiid is at 61% true shooting. Uh, to me, to do this, to, to put out, have this raw output on this level of efficiency, yeah. to have stepped your game up this level defensively, and to carry a team that just would not be anywhere close to this situation without you, uh, I think it's just... I think it's overwhelmingly Jokic. And again, we've said this, I've said this before, I know you've said this, if it's given to Giannis, if it's given to Embiid, I have no problems. But I just, I flat out, and, and I. there's one more thing I want to address. Carson, I'm going to let you get into this, and then I want to address the advanced metrics argument with Jokic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just head and shoulders. I think Jokic ran away with it.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, I don't know if I would say it's head and shoulders. I actually think that, There are multiple cases to be made, and you could make a Giannis case that wouldn't really upset me, but I think the crux of it has always been, you're talking about historically unprecedented volume, as you already touched on. Nearly historically unprecedented efficiency, right? He's only the fourth guy ever to score 27 points per game on 66% true shooting while carrying that kind of playmaking load, and as we've talked about, improving defensively as he had. And then it's just the burden. And it's the fact that he hasn't had a Chris Middleton or a Drew Holiday to rely on this year. And he hasn't Mm -hmm. even had exceptional role guys like there are in Milwaukee and Philly. And still, when his team has been on the floor, they've been every bit as good as those two teams. Like It's just a remarkable all-time accomplishment in terms of everything we've talked about. Versatility offensively. The guy just continues to improve. His efficiency on twos is unthinkable. He is... Among the best post scorers in the league, he roams around off-ball, curls around screens, can be a catch-and-shooter in those respects, attacks from the perimeter all the time, pushes in transition. He does literally everything offensively at a high level. Maybe not literally everything. You don't see him crossing dudes over like AI much. But outside of that, no, it is I swear all I saw that the other night. Yeah, You know, maybe he's even added that to the bag. So <laughs> I think that this is one of the greatest individual seasons we've ever seen, mm-hmm. straight up, certainly on the offensive end. And I don't really think there's a counter-argument. And you mentioned the advanced stats thing. I mean... No, I, I want to I get into that Yeah, for a go second. ahead.
2: Yeah, I mean, I just... Maybe this is more directly directed at Nick Wright. Um, Please. I mean, dude, like, they talk about, oh, Jokic is the advanced metrics MVP. Mm-hmm. And then they pull out PER, they pull out VORP, uh, box plus minus, defensive box plus minus, offensive box plus minus. Yeah. Look, Nick Wright... Us actual NBA nerds don't use those numbers Mm -hmm. because they don't mean anything. Mm -hmm. It's like, yes, Jokic leads in all those things, and they prove he's fantastic. But it's like, just because you don't agree with using those metrics either or what they mean, it's like, why hold that against Jokic? We're not—all of those numbers, yeah, while they're impressive, I use none of those in my argument. I use none of those in my case because they're just not relevant. Didn't mention them. And I think just off eye test alone, you could go with Jokic. I don't know. Let me ask you this because I think this is a different component. We always talk about we go into numbers, we go into how these guys play, right? Mm-hmm. And analyzing the game. What about in big moments? Like do you think Jokic had enough big moments this year
0: to be MVP? Because I think that's also a key component. I always find that to be a bit of an overstated part of the conversation. I think it is, Are you talking I, about like clutch moments? I just mean, yes, just
2: big kind of signature moments. Who do you think had it out of these big candidates? Who do you think had the most signature moments?
0: I don't think that that category goes to any of them. I mean, I think people would look at like DeMar, you know, like I just think in a single season sample size to look at a handful of moments in the final 30 seconds or whatever, it just doesn't really mean that much when these guys are playing 30 something minutes a night every single night. So I wouldn't really give a significant advantage to any of these three in that respect. Yeah, And I don't think it's that important. I think it does matter a little bit. I don't think it's the most important component in an MVP uh, debate. I'd say that Jokic's, what, MVP moment was the Clippers game. That uh... The whole year has been his MVP moment. I mean, it, it, he has been mind-blowingly brilliant every single night. I don't know. That, to me, is well, yeah, much more I'm just important. saying, like, his—I'm just the Yeah, about that would be moment. the one. That would be the one. But how about just this entire home stretch of the year where he's averaged 35 a game on 70% shooting— over the last eight games or whatever, it's been historically unprecedented again. Like, it's just so easy to argue for him as the best offensive player on the planet. Maybe the best overall player on the planet. I would make that argument, but I understand people who push back. But offensively, I think he's damn near separated himself from the pack at this point And the MVP of the league. And I completely agree with you on the advanced stats front. I mean, it's just a guy in Nick Wright who has very strangely chosen to have an adamantly anti-Jokic agenda for some reason, which makes no sense. And so he's constructing arguments that are a figment of his imagination and he's pointing them towards exactly nobody. I'm a pretty big basketball nerd, right? Like I think the way I talk about the sport, people would say, what a nerd. And I am adamantly anti-single number metrics. I don't think that you can encapsulate someone's value. What you're basically doing to me is box score aggregation and throw some efficiency in there. But all right, I can do that. But again, you just break it down into so many components and you look at his roles and you look at the on-off number and you look at the production and the efficiency and you just watch the guy play basketball. It's not very hard to make an argument for him. So I think that we are aligned on that. I would have Giannis too at this point over Embiid. I think just with a little bit of the even with the scoring title. Oh, the scoring title by what? Point, 2 points yeah, per mean, game. Yeah, it's not that much, yeah. Yeah, I mean that to me is insignificant. That's dismissed. What do you think? You would have him beat over Giannis? It's
2: a good question. I just think when you look in, in terms of I guess if we're going with the less help thing, yeah, I I think it's close. Um, I think Embiid, I just think Embiid is just Embiid's had a massive burden on him all year long. Like, I'm not saying Giannis hasn't. Giannis again leads the NBA in you know three-point field goal assist. He's been the engine for this team. He's mm-hmm. arguably the best defender on the planet. Um, it's tough. I don't know. I, I feel like just because Embiid is a little more skilled offensively, I want to give him the edge. And I don't. I don't know. That's kind of. That was honestly the edge that I was going with. It's just in terms of pure jump shooting. he was. Giannis was more efficient this season, though. Mm -hmm. It's tough.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think that the scoring gap is so small, and Giannis is bringing more as a playmaker. He's a little bit more efficient. He's a little bit better as a two-way guy. Team success, very similar. But you are really picking nits. The one thing I will say to everybody is the Denver Nuggets, with Nikola Jokic on the floor this year, and Will Barton is their second-best offensive player, and Aaron Gordon is their second-best overall player, and uh, Bones Highland is a key contributor, and I like Bones, but that was not a preseason expectation. They have outscored their opponents by more than the Bucks have with Giannis and the Sixers have with Embiid. It's really a mind-blowing accomplishment, so anybody who can't acknowledge that is just not paying enough attention. All right, let's move on, Logan, to Rookie of the Year. And we had this debate as well pretty recently, and shared where we both came down. But has that changed for you? Who do you have as your rookie of the year?
2: No, I still have, uh, I still have Evan Mobley. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I want to give credit to to both the runners up. I mean, this has been a really good rookie race. Like, I I don't, I don't remember a uh, a recent rookie race like this where I've been, I don't know where there's been genuine conversation. At a point, Franz Wagner had a case for rookie of the year. You know what I mean? Like, uh, at a point. I don't know. Like like, uh, these guys have really fluctuated up and down all year, and all had genuine cases. Um, I think my list goes Mobley one. I think I'd go Cade two, Scotty three, and that's tough Mm because I think Scotty has had a phenomenal year. And in terms of winning value, maybe I should give it to Scotty. That's that's the dilemma that I laid down on because Cade has had a historically uh, great. rookie guard season, 17 and a half 5.5, and 5.5 and and on 42-32-84 splits. Not crazy efficient from deep, but, I mean, 32% really isn't that bad in the scope of things for a rookie guard who's shooting this much. Yeah. And I'll remind you, man, the peak just last month, 23-6-7 and seven on 48-32-83 uh, in March. And I mean, again, uh, we can't expect this to translate to winning this early on. It's the Pistons. Absolutely. Um Scotty has been a winning player the second he stepped on the floor, and that's why... I think I'm actually gonna give Scotty the edge. I'll put Scotty at two. Mm-hmm. Scotty's impact on the floor is translated to winning the the five seed. Again, they're the Raptors are a more well rounded team. I'm still giving the edge to Mobley, though. I think Mobley's the best defender out of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Mobley's impact on the floor meant the most to winning at the end of the day, and that's yeah. why I gave him the edge. The Cavaliers on this season, 4-9 and nine without Mobley, 39-28 and 28 with Mobley. Um, again, they lock up the 17. They make the playoffs for the first time without LeBron. And on the year, 15-8-3 on 51-25-66 splits. The offensive numbers aren't going to jump out at you, but you just watch what they did, the kid did on the glass and contesting shots and playing hard defense. Mm-hmm. Um I actually I don't think Mobley's the best defending rookie this season. I think Mobley's the second best. I think Herb Jones is the best defensive rookie this season. Interesting, but um, Herb is a dog. I'm going to give obviously Herb doesn't have what Mobley had offensively, and again I think Mobley's game just translated the most to winning. So I'm
0: going to give him Rookie of the Year. I'm with you. I would have Kate over Scotty. Even and I think, yeah, I think Kate's job is tougher than Scotty's too. Oh unequivocally, and that's the thing is I don't want to make Rookie of the Year about winning value who is playing the best winning basketball because so much of that is dependent on situation right mobley and scotty have certainly helped their team significantly this year but they were injected into winning situations with good rosters and clear identities and all of these advantages that the detroit pistons with cade did not have and i think that if cade had played at post all-star level for the entire year Mm -hmm. he would be rookie of the year and it'd be tough to argue against that i mean that is a prototypical rookie of the year kind of campaign right you don't need to be the most efficient guy you don't need to make a ton of winning plays it's showing basketball skill it's raw production and Kate has had that this year there's no question about his abilities as a shot maker as an overall scorer as a playmaker I think even how he projects as a two-way guy it just took him a little bit too long to get going because like pre all-star break the guy was 15.7 a night on sub 49 percent true shooting And so even though he has surged and has been so great and has affirmed, I think that this is clearly a future all-NBA kind of guard, Evan Mobley really has a distinct case in that, yeah, he's been a really good offensive player, and he's been solid in terms of efficiency and can do multiple things there, is a pretty versatile big, but he was genuinely all-defense caliber this year. And having that impact as a big on one of the absolute best defenses in the league, like He's top five in basketball in field goals defended inside of six feet per game, and he held people to 11% worse shooting than their average on those shots. That's only trailing Gobert and his teammate Jared Allen in terms of like guys who really contest a high volume of those shots. That's just remarkable. And we know that he's good on his feet and is a versatile big defensively as well, and I think will only continue to grow, obviously, all around. But it's tough. I don't want to favor guys who are just in better situations. But I just think Mobley's ability to impact the game on both ends of the floor was something that we have not seen in a long time. Like, he is one of the best defensive rookies in a long Mm. time, and did that while he was a good offensive player on a good team, and so I favor that. But I do want to respect the pure skill and production, and just finish for Cade next. And then Scotty. Has a lot of similarities to Mobley in terms of yeah. his solid efficiency, similar raw production, you know the versatility offensively, the playmaking, is a positive two-way guy. I just don't think he had the defensive impact of Mobley this year. Maybe part of that just by the nature of their position, like the Mobley was so valuable as that second rim protector. But it's a very strong ballot. Like, this is a very legit top three guys. Yeah, I mean, this is the best rookie race, I think,
2: I don't know. Like I said, in a long time, I don't know when the last time I could pinpoint um, a
0: race this heavily contested. Mm -hmm. But in terms terms of tightness, definitely, I think it's the strongest in a minute. Yeah, I mean, there have obviously been significantly better, just rookie of the year winners. But yeah, I just yeah, I just mean in terms of competitive, because like I don't know. Sure, I think
2: like (laughs) I was going to say like Malcolm Brogdon winning, but I well, that's the the worst possible one. Yeah,
0: that's the worst rookie of the year race ever.
2: I think Zion had a really high peak, you know what I mean, in terms of, of setting that standard. Well, he played 19 games, though. Um, yeah, but Ja I mean,
0: was a better rookie than any of these guys. Yeah.
2: I don't know. But yeah, in terms of, in terms of just what a tight-knit race this was, mm-hmm. I think it's the tightest maybe of my lifetime,
0: genuinely. Interesting. All right. Defensive Player of the Year. So we agree through two awards. I don't think we're going to continue here, but I'm interested. Who do you have? I gave it to Marcus Smart. Oh, um, okay.
2: And I, I don't know. I what the, All the guards to win Defensive Player of the Year. Alvin Robertson, Michael Jordan, uh, Gary Payton. Is that it? Or Sidney Moncrief twice. And is that it? I think it's all the guards, right? Michael Cooper. Michael Cooper, correct. That is all the guards. Um, so, I mean, we're setting the last one to win it was GP, right? In the '90s, correct, '96, I think. I mean, it's been a minute since we have had a guard win Defensive Player of the Year, but uh, I'm going to give the nod to him. I mean, the Celtics have had the best defense in the NBA uh, down the stretch of the season, and I think Rob Williams deserves an ample amount of credit for it as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, they were the best pick and roll defending duo in basketball, and so I think I'm just going to reward the best the best defensive player on the best defense. And I mean, yeah, uh, that's just kind of my criteria. other guys I considered, uh, Bam is probably second uh, mm-hmm. for me. Uh, Bam is all defense, obviously. 55% of his possessions this season, this is for Bam, uh, he was defending guys who weren't at the five spot. Yeah. I just think that's a crazy number. Um, so switchable. And I guess that would be the argument against Marcus, is that he doesn't have the positional versatility of other guys. Like, he's just not going to be able to defend fives. But, I mean, well, you watch him, he, can, yeah, he, can, yeah. he, he damn sure tries. Um but no, my criteria. I'm giving the I'm giving it to the best defensive player on the best defensive team. And now that Rob is out, I think it's concretely Marcus. I think Marcus had a shot to win it with Rob Williams on the floor too. Um, mm. I don't want to understate what Marcus has done this season. I just think um, I don't want to say this is cumulative, but it are, that also I think factors in a little bit for me too. I mean, mm. I not like a lifetime achievement, but mm-hmm. I do want to show some love. And uh, yeah, I think Marcus is. I don't know, like in terms of raw impact, I think Giannis has a case too. You know what I mean? But uh, I'm
0: going to give it to Marcus. This is interesting. I do not have Marcus. And in fact, I'm not sure if he would be in my top three. He is obviously an exceptional defender. And his versatility really is impressive given his size just because of his doggedness. The thing for me with the best defender on the best defensive team is that the Celtics' best defense of five has five basically all-defense caliber guys and had another legitimate depoy candidate in Robert Williams. And just the overall switchability and length and intensity and athleticism of that five, it's been such a top defense in the league by committee kind of effort that I'm hesitant to really have one guy elevated above the others. And the guy who I have winning is really the polar opposite of that, and I know I'm going to be in a significant minority this here. Craig is going to say Rudy Gobert. I am. Oh my gosh, I'm going to say Rudy Gobert. Let me ask you this: What is any weaker about Gobert's case this year than any previous year? I just, I just went. The Jazz cumulative numbers have just fallen off.
2: I don't think Rudy Gobert is inherently any different. The yeah. Jazz's overall defense has just gotten worse. Maybe with him off the floor, they yeah. are
0: the number two defense in basketball when he plays. They're the number twenty-seven defense when he doesn't play. Cool. I just think, dude, it's such a clear instance of voter so fatigue. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Well, that is what voter fatigue is. I'm so is. tired, bro. I who cares? I, underst- I said I understand I'll be in the significant minority, but I'm here making an objective case. The guy is still, outside of Draymond, who played 43 games this year, the best regular season defender in basketball. He's on a team. What would you say?
2: Let me ask you this, Carson. Okay. Would you say the Jazz are stronger on the offensive or defensive end? Offensive. What's going to
0: hold them back in the playoffs? their perimeter defense and a lack of versatility offensively. Yeah. I mean, they have three legitimate liabilities starting defensively at this point. They lost one of their better wing defenders in Joe Ingles. And so I just think it's like, he's still doing his job, dude. Healed people 13% below their typical field goal percentage inside of six feet. The jazz defense is seven and a half points per hundred better with him. He is every bit the intimidator that he's always been. He's a good switchable big. It's like everything that sucks about the jazz defensively has nothing to do with Gobert. It's the fact that they have just turnstiles on the perimeter. I'm not going to act like
2: Gobert wasn't on my ballot. Gobert was three for me, but I would not give him the edge over Bam Adebayo. And
0: in terms of just... I just think he's a more impactful guy, dude. Like, you still see it. You still see that he just takes away the paint in so many games. Yeah. I guess I
2: just prefer the versatility a little more. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fine.
0: Bam is second, and I considered Bam. And, like... The switchability is definitely valuable. He holds people 5% below their average shooting percentage outside of 15 feet, which just speaks to the fact that the dude has super long and just arm. agility. No, I think his feet are just remarkable. I mean, yeah, he's long too, obviously, but, and he's a damn good rim protector. I have no issues with Bam and the heat defense is great, but I just think it's the same case that we've always been making for Rudy and... I still don't think in terms of night-to-night impact on that end of the floor, in the regular season, anybody compares to him. So I guess, yeah, it's kind of boring. He's not going to win this year. But I don't think that anybody can compare in terms of elevating a defense single-handedly. And if Draymond Green had played this full year, he would have been my defensive player of the year, Uh, but he didn't.
2: I was just about to say that. I thought Draymond, you know, for
0: time that we actually saw him on floor, I thought he was the best defender uh, in the NBA. But you want to know one guy who I actually considered straight up for Depoy just because I'm feeling super wacky? Cal Bridges, Matisse Thibault. Wow, I just think he's the best perimeter defender on the planet. I don't know that we've ever seen. I mean, you saw that. Was it, was it, I mean, the game the other night,
2: um, mm-hmm. the the closing possession where, you know, he's yeah. pokes that ball loose and just closes yeah. the game out. I've
0: never, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. I don't know that we've ever seen hands like he has. I don't know that we've ever seen an ability to weaponize length like that. I don't know. We've never seen a shot-blocking guard like him. We've never seen a guy who defends the three-point line like <laughs> him. I mean, he held opposing players to 24.5% on threes this year. And you think oh, that's a stat with some variability. With T's it's not, dude. Like, it's truly unprecedented. And he's giving you 1.8 steals and 1.1 blocks a game and is just an all-around clamp on a good team defense. And, yeah, he plays 26 minutes a game. And I still don't think, unfortunately, as a perimeter guy, he can compare an all-around impact to a truly great defensive big. But I certainly thought about it. I think that he is a better defender, point blank, than a Marcus Smart. I think he's even a better defender than a Mikal Bridges. But... I'm going to go with Gobert because, again, I just don't think his case has actually changed. People just hate the Jazz. They're tired of the Jazz. They're tired of Gobert, which I can understand. But I try to be as objective as possible in my selection process. I will give a little bit of a shout-out to Triple J, too, just for his dominance as sort of a help side rim protector and leading the league in blocks, holding people 14.5% below their typical shooting inside of six feet. He's gotten a lot better. Still some of the discipline issues. He's not the complete rim protector that a Rudy Gobert is, but he had a phenomenal, phenomenal defensive dude, season. I mean, yeah, give a ton of credit to Triple J, dude. In terms of, like, uh,
2: like guys I want defending the pick and roll to off a of switch, uh-huh. or his arms, his agility, they give him just so much so much flexibility in just how to play defensively, like, in terms of being able to drop mm-hmm. um, and being able to switch. Jaron is, is a freaky defender. I'm so glad that... Yeah. People picked him for most improved this season because they expected him to you know develop i think a lot offensively. I don't think he was ever gonna be in that conversation just because I think me and you people recognize what he is offense i think smart yeah heads know. freak but defensively, I'm so glad to have seen him seen him take this leap like i i don't know man, like not that I ever thought Jaron was not gonna be in the n b a or something but he's been disappointed <laughs> he's been he's been disappointed uh-huh. in, in terms of what we thought he could be um yeah, and I think this is just. I don't think he's that number two for Memphis that we wanted him to be, but I think Jaron can definitely be that number, th- you know, a, r- a dominant 3 and D guy um, on p- potentially a championship team. I still think Memphis needs that number two, but I think he's asserted himself as a, I mean, a dominant uh, number three guy.
0: Yeah. He's just got to figure it out offensively. He's got to. I don't think that. I, I think that's kind of, I think, I think we're okay, expecting well, a little much. His shooting needs to return to where it was over his yeah. first two seasons. And if he can just get a little tougher there, I say, stop taking so many damn floaters. And I don't know. I don't expect him to like suddenly develop like a legit post game and start like playmaking and stuff, but just take better shots and make the shots that you made your first two years, because with what he brings defensively, uh, he is absolutely sensational there. All right. Let's keep it moving here, Logan, because we do have a lot to get through. Sixth man of the year is Tyler Hero. I don't think I even want to open the floor because we have so much to get to. Yeah, I mean, do Tyler Hero is the, the hot take. Uh, this is what
2: kept me, I'll spoil a little bit, off. I kept Jimmy Butler off my all-NBA third team uh, because I think Tyler Hero is the Heat's best offensive player. And I, I, I mean, I think you can wow. make an argument uh, in terms of tough bucket getting. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think point blank, I think Tyler Hero is the best offensive player for the Miami Heat, and that's why, I mean, that's why I kept Jimmy off my all-NBA third team. And I don't even, yeah, it's not even close. Tyler Hero is flat out... Tyler Hero is one of the best six men ever. This season, mm-hmm. it's twenty off the bench every single night, consistent. Yeah. And when when he's on the floor with Jimmy and Lowry, like they are deferring to this man. Yeah, yeah. I, let's not spend a whole lot. Hero ran away with this. This has been an amazing season for Tyler Hero. I'm,
0: I'm just hyped, dude. I, I love this guy. Completely agree. And to do it on basically league average efficiency is actually impressive because. A lot of fill-it-up sixth men. It's just kind of a volume product. And, yeah, he takes a lot of tough shots, but he's versatile man. I mean, he can do it out of the pick-and-roll. He can do it out of isolation. He can do it away from the ball as a catch-and-shooter. His playmaking has evolved. It, nobody comes remotely close. And, honestly, it's a weak field besides him this year anyways. Yeah. So that's the easiest choice on this ballot, no question. Coach of the Year. Logan, who do you have? <laughs> Bro, I did not write down Coach of the Year. Well, I didn't write down Most Improved Player. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. aren't we just balling out of control? Let me uh,
2: let me get. Uh, Here, I can go first. Let me get, I'm gonna take. I, I know who I'm gonna go okay. with. I'm gonna take.
0: Oh, actually, I don't. I'm choking. I'm choking. I'm down all to right. three. I'm down to three. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm taking Taylor Jenkins. Monty Williams is gonna win this award. I have absolutely zero gripes with that. The Suns have been a historically great regular season team. They have done that while overcoming some health adversity. Suns fans will overstate it because they don't understand that nobody in the entire league has been healthy this year. But you do it without 15 games of CP and similar with Aiden and Book missing more than 10 games. And yet the machine just never stopped. It's a remarkable accomplishment. Last year, he also belonged firmly in the conversation. They're an exceptional two-way team. They're a well-oiled machine in every way. Their depth is great Multiple guys have gotten better on that team. I have no problem with anybody picking Monty, but I just think Taylor Jenkins for me The three years he has been in the league Has belonged somewhere on this ballot every time. I mean certainly his first year Last year, maybe not quite as strong of a case, but still a really good basketball coach and this year been incredible, dude. The Memphis freaking Grizzlies have won 55 games. They're a top five team on both ends in terms of defensive and offensive rating. They're 20 and four without John Morant, have a defensive rating of 102.7 when he doesn't play, which would be by far the best in the league. And you'll get the development internally. Desmond Bain has improved. Triple J has improved. As we talked about, they were able to find a lot of success without Dylan Brooks for a lot of this year. I think that they got really about as much as you could have expected out of a Steven Adams. Their depth, as always, is strong. I don't think many people expected Zaire Williams to be like ready to start and not look totally out of place on one of the best teams in the league. Their two-way identity is really pretty exceptional. They understand what they do well and they just run with that and they're going to have somewhat comfortably the second best record in basketball this year. That is an insane insane accomplishment obviously by the way John Morant dramatically improved as well and some of these are just organizational factors they draft well, they develop well not all of that is just Taylor Jenkins but I think he really understands his personnel he puts people in positions to succeed he's established a culture all of these things are so impressive and I just think who overachieved by more the Suns you know if they win 65 games or the Grizzlies if they win 57 games I think it's unquestionably the Grizzlies
2: yeah, I mean, he makes a good case, and I think you narrowed down. Um, I think you narrowed it down to the two of the three guys on my ballot, and I'm conflicted. I think a lot of what you said about Jenkins applies to uh, Monty as well in terms of organizational development. Like mm-hmm. James Jones has done a phenomenal job of bringing oh my free agents, of drafting. Yeah, um, and I don't want to discredit Monty because I think Monty's going to win. I think you're 100 percent right. Monty's going to win this award, and he's well deserving. My coach of the year would be Ime Odoka, though. Sure, he he would be my third guy. I think I just watch a lot of Celtics breakdowns, man. And Ime's offense, I, I love everything that Ime has done. Mm-hmm. I think Ime is one of the most brilliant guys in the league in terms of schematic adjustments, in terms of what he is doing in game, the type of offense Boston runs. I think I think the Celtics and Ime Odoka are going to have one of the most successful runs in franchise history. I think we, I I mean that. The Celtics are the one of the most accomplished franchise in basketball. They sure are. I expect multiple championships out of Boston with Udoka at the helm, and I'm going wow. to be very disappointed if they do not oh, reach wow. that. I think Udoka is flat out genius, and um, I think for those reasons, what I've seen on the floor, I've seen enough. I think he's, I think he's the best coach in the league, and I think, like I said, Monty's going to win it. Monty is well deserving, like cumulative too, because what Tibbs got it last year, I thought that was Monty's award as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Monty deserves it, but I think Udoka is the smartest, most brilliant coach in all of basketball.
0: It's one of the greatest single-season turnarounds that we have ever seen. To go from a team that 20 games in was playing as like the number 20 defense in the league and had no rhythm offensively, guys weren't knocking down shots, their star players weren't making their tough shots, to evolve from that, to keep it together, to become unquestionably the best defense in basketball to become an elite offense like it's just everything has gotten so so much better with the celtics and i think that if you were giving this award over the last 60 games of the season alone there's no question that doke would be the guy i still think that the grizzlies overachieved their expectations more overall i think their success without jaw is kind of unfathomable yeah but i have zero problems with anybody picking udoka here and You're setting some high expectations there, man. It's tough to put multiple championships on anybody, but he has come so far. Like, I was unimpressed in the early goings of the season, obviously just because the Celtics overall were a dumpster fire, and they've just been brilliant ever since, and he deserves an immense amount of credit for that. I mean, dude, I I even –
2: this is even with a pretty hard bench, you know what I mean? Like, they're counting on Peyton Pritchard, Sam Hauser, guys like this down the rotation. dude. The Celtics shore up those guys. You know what I mean. They get one more really good guard off the bench, and I and I like Peyton Pritchard. I think Pritchard can uh-huh. play. Um, I don't know if he can be your you know your bench guard on a championship title winning team yet. Um, but I don't know, dude. Pritchard and uh, they 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 move Pritchard down in the rotation. They get another guard. They get another wing. I really think they run this thing back, and I think they have a gen. The Celtics might be my title pick next season. Like I, I think Tatum and Brown can work. And I think Udoka is the man to lead him through. Yeah, I'm putting that on him. It is big expectations. Mm -hmm. I think so. Because I think we're also going to see Jason Tatum continue to ascend to being maybe the best player on the planet. I expect that out of him, too. I have big—I've always had big things planned for the
0: Celtics, and I'm I'm doubling down. You certainly have. I think it's happening, bro. All right. I think that that's one where you can go multiple ways. I don't know outside of the three who we named. Maybe somebody would argue for Spo. I don't know. Maybe somebody would argue for Jason <laughs> yeah, Kidd with the Jason defensive Kidd. turnaround, but I think that those guys are pretty clearly the top three. Actually, if you wanted to make a Nick Nurse case... Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, the Raptors have a chance to win 49 games this year. No love no love for Dwayne Casey. <laughs> no love for Dwayne Casey. You know, there was a J.B. Bickerstaff case earlier in the year, but I just think... there was a Billy Donovan case early in the year, too. Yeah. Post-Allen injury, though, and obviously post Bulls injuries, it just is no longer justifiable. Bro, didn't even... (laughs) Maybe Chris Finch, if you are feeling froggy. I don't know. There's been a lot of really good coaching jobs in the league this year. Bro, didn't even consider Frank Vogel for coach of the year. Correct. I actually did not. All right. Last award here before we get into All-NBA, most improved, Logan, who do you have? John Morant. Yeah. I agree. I think that there's a lot of guys who have gotten a lot better this year, Mm -hmm. a lot of respectable candidates. We've talked about Garland, just with his continued evolution into like real primary offensive engine, getting more efficient, the Mm playmaking growth, tons of guys who took the leaps in raw production. Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole and Maxi and Hero kind of all stepping up in that fill it up scoring role. Desmond Bain, I think, continuing to evolve his game. Miles Bridges, just with the overall skill development that we saw, his versatility offensively in production leap. But at the end of the day, like if you are talking about most improved player, there are a few things that are more meaningful than taking that leap from good player to to bona fide superstar, and you increase your scoring by eight and a half points per game, and you increase your two point percentage by three point something, and you increase your three point percentage by almost four, and your true shooting percentage goes up by almost four points. Like, and your team takes a jump to being elite, and you demonstrate skill development in terms of your shooting from beyond the arc and continuing everything out of the pick and roll with the floater. It's just. Tough to argue against Ja. Like, he has taken the most meaningful leap that there is in basketball. Mm-hmm. Maybe if Maxie weren't a second-year guy, there would be, like, a legit case for him. I but think is Gar- Garland's two for you, right? I think Garland's I think two Garland's for me. I think probably two for me.
2: And then I think I think maybe Jordan Poole. Also, Kiro has
0: a little bit of a case. Yeah, like you mentioned. Um, yeah, I mean, Garland's leap is really significant. You know, you go... Plus four and a half points a game, plus two and a half assists while your efficiency is just getting better. And again, your team takes a really significant leap. I think he would have to be second because the dude is a star. And I've always loved Garland, but he's gotten a lot better this year. Yeah, 100%. A lot better. All right. Let's go an All-NBA, Logan. So I guess the best way to do this is you'll give your first team, I'll give my first team. We'll talk about any discrepancies, anything that stands out. Yeah. uh, You want me to get into it? Yeah, go
2: for it. I think this is my hottest take um, that, that I have. Uh, and I'll get into it. Here's my own NBA first team. Uh, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jason Tatum, and Nikola Jokic.
0: We have the exact same first team. No, I was about to say the
2: S-word. I don't know if I can on Blaze Radio. No no you bleep. Can't. No bleep. You can't. No bleep. Which part of that did you think was the hottest? I didn't think you were going to put Steph on there. Um, yeah. I thought that was my hottest take coming into it. and. So first, I want to say, uh, Kevin Durant was on my first team for a long time. Um, as of right now, KD has played 53 games. Yeah. Um, and the fewest games to be selected first team, I got this off the Bill Simmons pod, uh, Bernard King was selected first team 55 games, Bill Walton with 58, and Shaq with 59. So yeah, I and didn't...
0: Just to put those seasons in context, Bill Walton was the MVP of the league, because the Blazers were 50 and 10 when he got hurt, coming off a title, and they didn't have another star player. Bernard King averaged, I think, 32.9 a game that year, and Shaq was Shaq. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, and so I, I thought KD was one of the five best players in basketball this year, but I didn't want to set a new precedent. I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to redo that. And also, I, before, I, before delving into the specifics of this, I do want to say, I think moving forward that the All NBA team should be positionless completely. Uh, I think we have progressed. I have no problem with that. We have progressed. And again, the only reason I put Jokic and not Embiid and Giannis all on this team is because of the rigidity and the history. Mm -hmm. Again, moving forward, and if I had it my way, I would just say the top 15 players in basketball. Screw position. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. We are moving towards positionless basketball. Who cares? Totally agree. Getting into specifics of this, Uh, I thought it was going to be hot with Steph, and I just think point blank. No guard had a higher impact on winning yep. than Steph Curry. Yep. They were. I, you saw it when he was out. They went. They were 5-10 and 10 with him off the floor. He has a total differential of plus 14.7 this season. They play like a 65-win team with him on the floor, a 31-team with him off of it. The offense plummets to an offensive rating of 108.7 with him off the floor he became better defensively this season Mm -hmm. and the reason that people didn't want to have Steph on their all-nba first team was because how special last year was and I get it yeah because we saw maybe the second best version of Steph Curry ever last year Mm -hmm. maybe you can make an argument there's best 32 points per game you know six assists like on 42 percent shooting from deep we see the slight regression uh we you know he drops about uh, four percent from the field and he drops about four percent from deep yeah I don't care yeah essentially I don't care I thought Steph had a higher impact on winning than any other guard in basketball mm-hmm. and for those reasons again you just saw it with him off the floor for those reasons I think Steph is the most deserving guard for all NBA first team and all the basketball and I don't care that you can make a case for D book you can make a case for
0: CP3 you can make a case for jaw I just don't think they had the impact on winning So I also didn't really think I was going to have Steph just because I think there's been such a sour taste in the old mouth after his injury and just with the Warriors regression as the year went along. And of course, it has not been a peak Steph year in terms of production or efficiency. But like you said, dude, just in terms of winning impact, like if you're comparing his case to books, right, the raw production is very similar. Steph's efficiency is actually still a couple points better by true shooting percentage just because he generates such valuable shots so consistently And then the Warriors have literally played this year as a better team with Steph on the floor than the Suns have with Book on the floor. And that is the difference between the Suns still being very good with Book off the floor and the Warriors being an absolute disaster with Steph off the floor. So, and then you consider the fact that, like, even though it feels different, Book has played three more games than Steph this year. Like, that's not an advantage. That's not a factor in this conversation. So, because of all that... I think that you made the right choice and I think that I made the right choice. I will give book one edge. Yeah. Um and a case that I held on for swag.
2: A- <laughs> book is a very swaggy young man. Mm-hmm. Um Booker without CP3 did play yeah. at an MVP level and oh an All-NBA first team level. In those 11 games, uh they were 8 and 3. Book puts up 25 uh, 28 5 and 7 on 52 40 90. 64 percent true shooting basically Mm -hmm. um with 1.8 steals per game and so for a long time on my first team i had devin booker and chris paul because i was like this is cumulative i'm going to give them you know i'm just going to give them the benefit of the doubt Mm. but played at mvp level and then i i feel like i took it at a a much more smarter uh, angle but book definitely had a case um yeah luca here I, i i don't know man like i the Mavs offense would be directionless without Luka Doncic, and it's weird. The Mavs play like a better team with him off the floor. Analytically, mm-hmm. it's like a forty-six win team with him on the floor, fifty-two win team with him off. Um, he is he's a huge minus defensively. They are five points better defensively uh, with Luka off the floor. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean twenty-eight nine and nine, yeah, on pretty solid efficiency. Like, yeah, the way Luka plays basketball is you're playing Luka ball, and mm-hmm. It, it, you got to deal with it, but Luca makes this thing go, and he has played so much better. Like it was such a bad start to this season, man. Mm-hmm. Um, he just gotten so much better as the year has gone along, and I think that um, Luca makes this thing go point blank. Like the, the, the raw output, I had to
0: reward. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy also that. Not to put you on the spot, but Luka Doncic was not on your all-star team. Yeah, I mean, I, I, still don't, I still don't regret that Brandon Ingram was
2: playing really well. Brandon Ingram also not on any of my all-NBA teams. I just want to give him a shout-out. He's been averaging like 26, 6, and 7 over this last month playing really good defense. Um, yeah, you're right. He wasn't. And that was – I said that right after the show. I said that Luka was probably going to make me eat my uh-huh. words.
0: He did make me eat crow. Yeah, um, but regardless, I mean, he had been wildly disappointing – Yeah, up to that moment. He'd been horrible. He had been really, really bad by his standards. And since the all-star break, he's 39 and eight on 60% true shooting. Like he just has a gear that he can dial up to offensively that from the perimeter right now in the NBA, in terms of that scoring playmaking combo, it's like LeBron is there. Trey Young is close, but he doesn't have the physical imposition Uh, aspect. Yeah, I would give Trey that edge though. Trey's up there. And so, actually, it's interesting you say that because I considered Trey for a first-team spot because I think that in terms of just offensive production, he was more consistent than Luca this year. Yep. He piloted a better team offense. He yep. was more efficient. He is, in terms of raw output scoring and playmaking, right there. He is a bigger minus than Luca defensively, but Luca is also, as you said, a minus. But he's a significantly bigger minus. There is no doubt about that. And he's played 11 more games. So I really thought about putting Trey on the first team. I guess I just give the edge to the fundamental belief that Luca is a better basketball player, Yeah, I, he, but he, for the first half of the year, wasn't. So I don't know. I think you could put Trey young on your first team and I would not be up in arms. Dude. Two of these first, two of these first four months,
2: or he was under 50% true shooting. Um, That's to start horrendous. the season. He was under 55% true shooting in November and January. like, and he was doing this on, you know, I mean, pr- pretty low stuff, points per game-wise, like per- for Luca, Yeah. It, 22, uh, 22 in October and then 25 in January November. Like, Luca just was not himself. And so, yeah, it it's been a dramatic turnaround. I did not expect to have Luca on my first team. Um, but, I mean, what, like, the analytics say that they play like a 52-win team with him off the floor. If the Mavs didn't have Luka Doncic, mm-hmm. they're a lotto team. Yeah, well, it's I mean, not
0: close. That's part of the factor with all this. Is on-off data is great. It's valuable, but there's noise and you need context with all of it because at the end of the day, that's mostly the Mavs bench unit matching up against other bench units. Yeah. So you can't just take that right at face value. Like there's context And Jalen Brunson with all of is it. a beast. So he of course their is. bench is going to be nice. He certainly is. So um, I think the backcourt is interesting. Giannis is a no-brainer. Jokic is a no-brainer. Jay Tatum's think. a no-brainer in my opinion. The only argument would be. What, KD? Per game, has KD or even LeBron been better? Because I actually think that they both have. <laughs> okay, again, Jason Tatum sucked for the first two months of the yeah, year. Yeah, but I, I
2: don't know. Jason Tatum has been
0: so important in playing winning basket, but dude. I'm sorry, you think that game per game, Tatum was better than LeBron this year? Over the season as a whole? Defense included. Sure, yeah, at basketball. 100%
2: hundred percent
0: yeah i don't think that i agree with i that. don't think it's close
2: wow i don't agree i with think that. in terms of winning impact i don't know dude like lebron lebron was checked
0: out a lot defensively yeah, and i'm not gonna act like he was in the home stretch of the year no I doubt. i wouldn't even just say home
2: for a lot of the year lebron was checked out bro yeah look look i, I lebron's on my second team all love to lebron mm-hmm. to put up 30 points per game in a situation like that on 62 true shooting is yeah. insane at yeah. this age But Jason Tatum, total differential, 16.1. Celtics are 13.1 points better per 100 possessions with them on the floor. They play like a 67-win team with them on the floor, a 30-win team with them off. Um, Their offensive rating plummets to 106.2 with them off the floor. Mm -hmm. Their defensive rating balloons to 110.7. There is noise in that. There's a lot of good defenders in Boston, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. But Jason Tatum has been a plus defender all season long. He's played hard. I guess the one argument against Jason is that uh, efficiency-wise, that's probably the thing that I'd go with. Fifty-seven point four percent true shooting, thirty-five percent from behind the arc. He's putting up twenty-seven, uh, eight and four. Um, Final thing on Tatum. I mean, I think he's just been. I think cumulatively, he's just been better than LeBron. The final thing that I just want to give him credit for is the improvement in team play, in ball movement, in playmaking, Mm -hmm. in drawing and passing out of double teams. He's making an active effort to get downhill more. Yeah, 100%. Like, Tatum, dude, that was my biggest gripe with Tatum is that he wouldn't get downhill. And and he is, I don't think Tatum, that's what's scary about Tatum is I don't think he has maximized what he can be offensively yet. Mm -hmm. I think we are just seeing the start of it. And the biggest thing is he's just doing little things. And what I mean by that is... He's getting a screen and he's going downhill and he's kicking it to the first guy at the top of the key. Mm-hmm. And then the guy at the top of the key is making the swing pass to the wing. Yeah. And they're getting a three. And it's like Tatum just didn't do that. Yeah. Tatum did not do that earlier on. He was, he'd take that dumb pull up midi and he, is, mm-hmm. he has just taken so many negatives out of his game and he has made yeah. himself a much more winning offensive player. And I love that. I think Tatum is
0: going to be the best player on the planet one day. It's interesting. I mean, I think that the biggest challenge for him will be probably reaching the level as an overall offensive engine, but I've been saying for a long time that I think that he was clearly in the prototype of the next truly great wing in terms of being a score first guy, like a KD, like a Kawhi, not saying he's going to be Kevin Durant because we'll never see another Kevin Durant, but like the Kawhi mold, you know, never quite reached that ceiling defensively, but offensively. I think absolutely, especially with the commitment to getting downhill that we've seen. Like you said, the free throws are way up. And yeah, he was unimpressive to say the least to start the year. He sucked. He was shooting like 40% by the end of November, which is 20 something games into the year. But he has been absolutely exceptional ever since. As we continue to do the guys who have just gone off post All Star break, he's 37 and 5 on 63.4% true shooting while playing at a borderline all defense level for what has been right up there for the best team in basketball in that stretch. Mm-hmm. Like, The finish to the year for him, the impact on winning all around, I agree he belongs here. And, yeah, the winning thing versus LeBron is tough because it's like if LeBron were in a better situation, I truly believe that he could be a legit plus impact guy defensively, and he waltzes to 38-6 and so efficiently. But regardless, I mean, when a guy has played 20 fewer games, I think that that really matters. Like, this year is probably the most that I think just – pure games played has factored into an All-NBA conversation. I completely agree. Like, so few guys have played 75-plus this season. It's really, really strange. And so I think that Tatum is well-deserved here, and I'm glad to see his progression up to this point because I have been a huge Jason Tatum guy, and uh, he has developed in basically every single way this year. Shout out load management. Yeah, Um, I don't know about all that. I'm not actually a huge fan. uh, Giannis
2: has to be here as well. Yeah, Um,
0: I mean, yeah. if you want to brush it, I mean... I don't think we even need to talk about those guys. Giannis and Jokic are such obvious no-brainers. 30-12-6, a steal in a block a night, 63% true shooting. Yeah.
2: All
0: right, second team All-NBA, who do you have?
2: All right, uh, getting down to the, to the nitty-gritty here. I've got Devin Booker, John Morant, uh, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Joel Embiid. Say that one more time. Uh, I have Devin Booker, John
0: Morant, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Joel Embiid. <laughs> Oh no, we do not actually have the same team. I thought that we did for a second. I have Trey Young over Ja.
2: Okay, that's interesting. Uh, I'm assuming you
0: went with the they're 20 and three without him. That was the thing that stuck out to you. Uh, it was actually more just games played. Jaw's played 56 games this year, yeah. and Trey Young has played 77. I actually think I think or 74. I, I think
2: if I took this analytically, I think I went with a narrative, and that's why I went with Jaw. I actually do. I genuinely believe Trae. that. I think I went with the narrative over who I actually think the Hawks would be. Dog water without Trey Young. Mm -hmm. And the Grizzlies just have not been dog. They've been great without John Morant. Ah. So Uh, I'm not gonna make the audible because I think Ja's been phenomenal. He has. But
0: let me just say this: Trey Young, more raw production, better efficiency by a couple points. We're talking more raw production as a scorer and playmaker. I think just clearly a more complete control of the game offensively, a absolute pick and roll savant has propelled the Hawks to be the number 2 offense in basketball pretty much this entire year without a legitimate star alongside him (laughs) on that end. Disrespected DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, sorry, DeAndre. Top 15 guy that Logan would take to start an NBA franchise. And he's played almost 20 more games. And you mentioned the jaw, Grizzlies excelling without him factor. I'm not going to sit here and say that's damning to him as a player or whatever. I don't want to overreact to that. But it is a small factor in this conversation. And yes, again, the defense thing is real for Trey. Jaw is a below average defender. Like, you know, and at the end of the day, these guys' value is their offense. That's what it's about. It's about propelling team offense. And I just think that Trey did that better and was out there for a lot more games this year. It's really tough, in my opinion, if you play 56 games to be... On one of my top two All NBA teams, the year that Steph played 51, he was third team All NBA. That was fair. Like it's a little bit different this year because a lot of guys are in the 60s because of what we talked about. But Trey Young isn't. Trey Young has been among the most dependable guys. He has been absolutely essential to his team's success, and he is right up there for the best offensive engine in basketball. And again, I think is better in that role than John Morant is. I think so too. Uh, well said. Um, Thank you.
2: You make a good. You make a really good argument, bro. I'm I'm debating now. I'm also with 56 games played on my on my All NBA second team. LeBron James, um, right? But the forwards, yeah.
0: I think it's so much more obvious that it yeah. has to be KD I, I completely and LeBron. Agree. Um, and again, I think if unless you're... unless you wanted to go to Rosen, but I don't know if you're a wild man. Yeah,
2: <laughs> um, yeah. I really heavily considered Kevin Durant for my All NBA first team, and I'm telling you, bro, you just if you watch KD play this year, you know KD was one of the five best players in basketball, no unequivocally, doubt. and like. Like shout out Jason Tatum, and I want to, and I again, I want to show all the love to him. I would probably I would take Kevin Durant in one game. I would take Kevin Durant oh, for my a God. playoff Yeah, of you course. know, it's it's still not close. Like in terms of raw ability, the Nets were eight and nineteen. Like I I think for people forget like KD, KD put the team on his back. Yeah, and you know what, man? I, if we're looking at this from a historical context, because I was thinking about this earlier, man. KD got a lot of flack for going to the Warriors. Mm hmm. KD got a lot of flack.
0: Mm hmm.
2: I'm giving KD as much love for these past two seasons. As I can. Mm-hmm. Because this has been a really difficult situation dealing with the drama in the locker room. This season, dealing with injuries to a lot of guys. Dealing with uh, Kyrie not playing. With yeah. the BS with Harden. That same energy that we gave KD for going to the Warriors, I'm giving him that love back. Because this has been really impressive. KD, KD balled out this year, man. And I just, I, I, I just don't want to... This was an amazing season for him. No matter, no matter that the Nets are, what, still in the ten spot out East. You know what I am Or they're in the eight spot mm-hmm. now. I don't care. Yeah, I, I genuinely don't care. Like Katie has, Katie played his, his butt off this season, and
0: uh, yeah, we just deserve to show him love. It would be ludicrous to not have him here. I mean, it's thirty-seven and a half and six on sixty-three percent true shooting. Yeah, they're thirty-four and nineteen when he plays. They've been a disaster without him. The on-off stuff is great. And he's Kevin Durant. And he is remarkably somehow at 33, pretty much as good as he's ever been. Like, he's the best scorer alive. It's so effortless. The efficiency is insane. His playmaking obviously has developed so much. He was a legitimate plus defender this year. Kevin Durant, if he had played every game, not every game, if he had played 70 games, if he had played maybe even 65 games, would have been first-team All-NBA this year. 100%. And, but um, alas, he did not.
2: As the case for like for like for LeBron, one, the Lakers were 6-17 and 17 with him off the floor. I know we don't care about the winning thing with LeBron. Like you said, dude, to put up 38-6 and six on 62% true shooting this year with this accumulation of talent, super impressive. He does mm-hmm. only play 56 games. Um, I just kind of want to get that out of the way. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on Embiid. I want to ask you this. Yeah. Positionless. Mm-hmm.
0: All-NBA first team is positionless. What is your five? Wow. Great question. Giannis, Jokic, and Embiid are the Mm no-brainers. I think Tatum makes a better case than, honestly, probably either guard. And, uh, man, I really would consider putting KD there I mean it's so exceptional game per game I just think the historical precedent is if you play this few it's really really tough and so then I would go with I would stick with one of my first team guards I guess I would go Luca over Steph really I don't know yeah just because at the end of the day as incredibly valuable as Steph Curry's pure presence is and as great as all the numbers are, and his obvious impact on the game is there is something to just making shots. And Steph just didn't make as many shots this year as not only he has throughout his entire career, but just like as often like offensive superstars do. So I don't know. I think you could go either way there, but yeah, it would be a front court dominant five this year. And if it's the five best guys taking out the games played factored, no question Kevin Durant is there. No question.
2: I think so, too. I think you took my exact five. I would go Steph over Lucas still, Mm -hmm. and I get it. I know we were disappointed by how Steph played, and Steph did not play at his peak level. I think I would still—five best players. Games played is not an aspect. KD is there with
0: Tatum, Embiid, Giannis, and Jokic. I completely agree. All right. Third-team All-NBA. And by the way, I completely agree with you that we should at the very least get rid of the center designation and just go front court. And even I agree with you on the positionless point because it's like you could argue that LeBron is a guard or a forward any given year. I mean, a lead ball handler at 6'8". What is that guy? Does it matter? It's like, it doesn't.
2: It's like, why am I putting Pascal Siakam on my All-NBA third <sighs> team? Yeah. Hey, man, look. Shout out to shout out to Pascal. Um, it's like, why would I take him over a guy like, like Bam Adebayo? I wouldn't. Because if we're considering defensive impact, why would I take him over a guy like Rudy Gobert? And I mean that in terms of mm-hmm. winning impact. I did. I gave him the nod though because cuz we're rigid. Yeah. Chris Paul uh is one of my guards. I flirted with Chris Paul going uh at the at Footprint Center. <laughs> no, I flirted what? with he... <laughs> I flirted with putting Chris Paul on my own you NBA first team. You flirted with him? Was on my he own first team, Yeah, he was really nice about it. He just told me to go get, like, insurance from State Farm. And I was like, Chris.
0: I think you might have seen Cliff, bro. I'm
2: like, Chris, you're not even on the clock right now. Why are you doing this bit with me? I just want to take you on a nice fancy date to Taco Cello. <laughs> now, I flirted with having Chris Paul on my All-NBA First team. Um, him and book because I was like oh, I'll just give it to these two guys and then I was like no they're not the best guard so Chris Paul has to be on an all-nba team he has the 64 games played he didn't miss a chunk of time um, he makes this thing go I will say one thing that is alarming about Chris Paul um, I believe in his return I, let me let me confirm I confirming think, I think Chris is shooting like 26% from deep ever yeah, since getting back under 32% on the year um, it has not been pretty from behind the arc. That does yeah. scare me for playoff time, genuinely. Um, but, yeah, no-brainer, I think, for All-NBA team. I have Trey Young here. I think you can make a really good case for Trey, uh, like Carson did for All-NBA second team. Trey has been utterly phenomenal despite his defensive woes. Um, then I've got DeMar DeRozan,
0: Pascal Siakam, and Carl Anthony Towns. So, very similar again here. I have Jaw. I have CP, I have DeRozan, I have Siakam, I have Karl-Anthony Towns. I guess I'll start with my first backcourt spot because I did give the nod to Book over Jaw as well. Obviously, I didn't just give it to Trey over Jaw. Oh, so did you leave... You left CP3 off? No, I have CP3. Sorry. He is my second guard. Okay. I did debate leaving him off. But when it comes to uh, Yo Jaw versus Book, yes. Yeah, so you left Jaw off? No. I'm Jaw, CP3, DeMar DeRozan, Pascal Siakam, and Carl Anthony Towns. Maybe 10-4, I misspoke. 10 My fault. I think that the thing with Jaw versus Book, honestly, part of it is probably going to come down to the 11 more games played. Part of it is going to come down to the Suns being a better overall team. Uh, their efficiency is very similar. The raw production slightly leans Jaw. But part of that is just sort of a load and roll thing. And I think the Book did his role exceptionally well. I don't know who I think is a better player in a vacuum. I think Book was better defensively this year. It's super close between the two of them, and so I sort of gave the edge to the guy who played more. Sometimes it just kind of comes down to that. But anyways, yeah, I really thought about Donovan Mitchell for my second guard spot here on the third-team All-NBA. I just think that he continues to improve. We've talked about it, but his development of his mid-range game this year, improving in that respect, continuing to finish more efficiently, around the rim. I mean, the raw production was the same as last year, basically. It was a really good year. He shot more than 6% better from two than he did last season. That is a legitimate accomplishment right there. He is pretty efficient, 26-5. and So, I really thought about him. At the end of the day, I think that the winning impact of CP, the command of the game, and doing what he did for a Suns team that was so exceptional, that would so clearly not be nearly that functional without him. I know how good they were for the eleven games that Book was running the show, but do you really trust that to be sustained over a full year? I do not. I think that C P is fundamentally just so crucial well, and I mean, to what they do. In saying that you have such talented
2: guards to fill in, are you really mad at Campaign stepping in for eleven games? No, Campaign's a hell mm-hmm. of a guard.
0: You know what I yeah. mean, I'm not saying that he can replace what Chris Paul does, but that also factors in. No. Yeah. And the on off data is better for C P than it is for Mitchell, the pure on court point differential is better again I think Donnie had a rough year defensively like it's close I think that it's close in terms of who had a better season it's close in terms of who is a better basketball player and I don't want to just make it a oh the Suns had a great year the Jazz had a bad year and so because of that I'm just going to give it to CP but I do think that in terms of winning impact command of the game I mean obviously just a brilliant facilitating season 10.7 assists per game I lean very, very slightly CP, but that was one of my toughest all-NBA choices. You didn't really consider Donnie? Oh, hell yeah, I considered oh, Donnie as okay.
2: my first guy off.
0: Okay. Um,
2: Donovan Mitchell was a tough omission, dude. I mean, 26 points a night. Kerry, um, he's the best pick-and-roll scorer in basketball and the best pick-and-roll scoring team in basketball. He makes the Jazz offense go. It's mm-hmm. It was a tough distinction. I think you laid out all the right reasons, though. I won the CP3, too. Um Playmaking, defense, making this engine go, and like people, it, it cracks me up, man. On like Twitter, sorry, it's a bit of a tangent, but like dudes like going, "This is this was Joel's MVP." And you know, Chris Paul puts up eleven points or twelve points a mm-hmm. game. Yeah, man, CP 3s a game. It's mm-hmm. you know, what I mean, he's not he's not there to get buckets. That's yeah, Donnie's job. He's not job. the MVP though, he's never he, he been not, the MVP. No, they were laughing, but um, no man, it's not his job. I did consider Donnie. I also considered like Zach Levine too, man. Um, hmm. uh, L- Levine was a. A less close omission, but yeah, I consider both those guys, I think when you were looking at terms of, like you said, man, winning
0: impact, I, I don't think it's close. I do think it's close. I think it's close in every way. To even even well, with the playmaking, way, obviously. the playmaking well, aspect. No, I don't think the playmaking is close. But I think, I think that Donnie is... is so much better as a scorer, though. A hundred percent. So that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, Overall, think... when you look at the complete picture of them as basketball players, it's very close. And a part of it is dependent on situation. If somebody had to carry my team, what I would rather you... have Donovan Mitchell. Do you think Donovan Mitchell is one of the greatest just pure scorers of all time? No. Not yet. I mean, he would have to, I think, become more efficient. In that, but I think that he has continued to get better and add stuff to his bag. It... And like, if he shot the ball from three as well as he did last year, it would have been just across the board a career season for him. Man, this is a stupid question. You can tell me if I'm if it's okay. just a dumb
2: question. Who would you rather have as as a scorer, Donovan Mitchell or Allen Iverson?
0: Man, it's so tough to compare eras because. Just the fact that AI couldn't really shoot the three with any sort of efficiency doesn't make all that much sense. Obviously, his ability to do it at high volume, to just keep coming, is insane. As good of an athlete as Mitchell is, and he's a great athlete, AI still has an edge there in terms of quickness, in terms of getting all the way downhill. But I don't know, dude. I mean, Donnie is incredibly rare in his ability to explode to the cup, to navigate the mid-range area, to have the high-level floater game, to have that pick-and-roll feel and presence, and then also to be that dynamic jump shooter off the dribble from beyond the arc. He's just a more evolved player at the end of the day. Like, there are raw things that AI did better, but probably just because of the nature of the evolution of basketball, Mitchell is a more complete scorer, Mm -hmm. and I really don't think you can deny that. But I don't know, dude. I'm not really comfortable answering that. I feel like the way that I answered that is appropriate. I think you're right. And most people will scoff and say, obviously, AI, but, like, again, it's just different. I mean, AI was so wildly, wildly <laughs> inefficient. But a lot of that is the product of role. It was also just the worst offensive error in basketball, period. He got to the line like a wild man. Everybody knows how nasty he was. Like, there's no disputing that when you watch it. It's an interesting question. I think I think I would take Donnie, too. Well, I didn't say that. I think I'd take Donnie. I dodged the question. I think I'd take Donnie. <laughs> okay. Front court DeRozan is a no-brainer. I mean, he has to be here somewhere earlier in the year. He probably was closer to first team in some people's minds. But, like, 28-5-5 and on 59% true shooting is a great scoring season. And I don't think anybody else is pushing for this spot, obviously, because we have Pascal Siakam here who did not have nearly as good of a year as DeRozan, but did still have a really, really good year. What do you think about Spicy P? Any words to say? Yeah,
2: I got a lot to say about Spicy P. I mean, Spicy, oh. dude. I have not been a Spicy P guy. No, uh, you have. I have been a I have been a Pascal Siakam truther. Um, and for a long time, uh, my biggest knock on Siakam was that he's a pretty bad defender, um, bad at closing out, bad at staying aware, bad at sticking on guys off ball, bad at yeah, really just a lack of engagement on that end. And uh, Pascal's been amazing. Uh, Pascal's been amazing defensively. He's been so much better offensively this season too. I just didn't expect this progression. 23, 8.5, and, and 5 on 49, 35, 75, 59 splits. I said earlier in the year when I made a video on the Toronto Raptors, which you can check out on YouTube where NerdSession does some breakdowns. You can also follow us on TikTok. Where we're posting more of our breakdowns. We do
0: this later in the show. Sorry. I had to
2: get it out of my system. Nice. Um, I'd say that the Raptors should trade Siakam. I, I think that was a cold take. Siakam is... I think, I think you can win a lot of games with Siakam. and Considering his defensive versatility, the big lineup that they have, I would hold on to Pascal. He's, mm-hmm. he's a little older, and I think maybe at some point, if you realize that the timetable is just off, his contract is coming up, maybe move him. I think you can win a lot of games with Pascal and be a lot of fun. Dude, in March, he goes 26, 8, and 5 yeah. on 52, 43, 76 splits. And in April, he's putting up 28, 11, and 6.5. And yeah. Pretty damn efficiently. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I don't love it. Because there's a lot of other guys I considered. Jimmy Butler only plays 56 games. Again, the knock on him, I don't think he was his team's best offensive player. I think you can maybe make a similar argument uh, with Siakam, with Van Vliet. But with Siakam's development and playmaking, I don't know how true that is. He can also shoot the hell out of the three ball. So I don't think Jimmy Butler was his team's best offensive player. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Tyler Hero was. So that's why I didn't give him the nod over him. I considered... Like I said, I considered B.I., I I did consider Brandon Ingram, I Mm -hmm. considered Chris Middleton, I considered uh, Zach Levine, even for this forward spot. I think Siakam's the best out of the bunch.
0: Yeah, I think that I agree. And it was a great bounce-back season for him, because obviously last year was so disappointing in so many ways, but continued to evolve as a playmaker, had massive shooting progression back to what you would expect from him. I mean, the scoring output was there. He carried a significant low just in terms of, like you said, playing both ends of the floor, led the league in minutes per game, was on a good basketball team. I think Siakam, although he probably feels a step down from the rest of the pack here, makes a stronger case than any other contender for this frontcourt spot. Let me ask you this. Okay. Do you think the Miami Heat, do you think it's wrong of
2: us? They take the one seat, because it did feel weird to me. I mean, is the, Miami the Heat, only guy who's The he get the one seat, close. and we don't have any all-NBA first-team members. All, any All-NBA
0: members, period.
2: I don't know why I said first team yet. We don't have any All-NBA members for the Heat, and they get the I mean, one seed. Is if, that
0: weird? If people wanted to pretend that Bam's a forward, they could make that case. Jimmy's probably my Jimmy first was, forward off. Jimmy was, I think, Jimmy
2: was my first guy
0: off, followed yeah. by Donnie. Yeah. It's just what is really his case over Siakam? I mean... I don't know. He's a better defender? I, I don't know. Like...
2: He wasn't... Siakam was arguably just as good of a playmaker this year. Mm-hmm. He was a better scorer all around. Mm-hmm. And I would say he was comparably effective defensively. And... Yeah. I don't know. He I played guess more the, games. I guess the only thing is the seeding.
0: Which I don't... Yeah. Again,
2: Hero carried this team when people were out.
0: Yeah. I do think there is a factor of... In a vacuum, who do you want when it comes yeah, to winning I want, time. I want Jimmy. I want Jimmy. But this just wasn't like a great Jimmy season all around. You know, he didn't have the same control of the game and in position as a playmaker. Part of that's probably just Lowry coming in and taking those touches. But nevertheless, he has, does have a slight edge in terms of efficiency. But I don't know. I kind of shrugged at this Jimmy season. Which as is what's so I. weird about as good as the Heat ended up being, there weren't many guys where you're like, wow, he really overperformed. It was honestly mostly the bench. And then the hero explosion. But that was so obvious so early in the year that it felt like the excitement with that almost wore off. Mm-hmm. All right. Cat is the third-team center. There's really no argument against that. Any final All-NBA thoughts as we get into All-Defense?
2: Yeah, I mean, Cat just one of the greatest offensive big men ever. I love that. 64% true shooting, 41% from behind the arc. Like, I just think that Monster. people— I still think people are taking him for granted. He's he's improved playmaking-wise. And they will continue to. Carson's favorite, uh, you know, like second-best passing big man in basketball.
0: Dude,
2: I'm just, I'm honestly, I said flabbergasted. I'm flabbergasted just looking at his numbers. Again, 41% from behind the
0: arc, 64% true shooting. That's, it's unreal. He's a revolutionary offensive big man. And one day, everybody will acknowledge that you don't see skill sets like that, you don't see production like that, and you don't see efficiency like that. I mean, he does stuff that literally no other big man in NBA history has been able to do. Okay, all defense. Let's see if we can go a little bit faster here. No pressure. I'm interested in the differences between our teams here. Who do you have for your first team all defense? Uh, my first team all defense, Marcus Smart, Matisse Theibel, Macal Bridges, Triple J, Bam Adebayo. Oh, we have the same, except I have Rudy Gobert over Bam. Okay. That's interesting. What did you feel most conflicted about here? Um, Nothing. Honestly, I
2: was, I was pretty concrete with, with these five. Macau is another guy that I just think deserves his flowers. Yeah. Um, people talk about, you know, the uh, – how do they phrase it? Like the the Bruce Bowen, all uh, who, Sean Marion All-Star, some, some mess like that. I don't know how they phrased it. Macau Bridge is an All-Star caliber role player. the guy's, yeah, oh, the guy, He's the man. Um, uh, Macau, I honestly consider for defensive player of the year. That was what I was most conflicted about. I, I genuinely had a debate about Macau maybe winning Depoy. Mm-hmm. Um No, I wasn't really conflicted. I guess my biggest thing was Rudy or Rob Williams over Bam Adebayo. Those were my two debates. Because I think when you're looking at versatility versus Bam, I think Rob is comparable. Mm -hmm. He switches on to all five guys during a possession. He can. He's capable of doing that. He's just as impactful as a rim protector. And then Gobert, look, man, I throw shade at him. He is on my all-defense second team. Fifth in blocks per game. Second in contested shots. Third in defensive field goal percentage at the rim. Like, yeah, Gobert is a, still one of the best defensive big men in basketball. So mm-hmm. I'd say those, picking out my at my five spot, either Rob or Rudy or Bam was my biggest distinction, and I went with Bam. Yeah,
0: this may upset Suns or Celtics fans. Honestly, I was probably most conflicted about thinking if I wanted to move— uh, smart or bridges to my second team, like kind of just because there's more great front court defenders in the NBA by a decent amount than there are backcourt guys, especially in terms of impact. Once you get into the true bigs and the quasi bigs and whatnot, because I was like, Tyvels going to be on my first team. I already gave some of the stats earlier in terms of his playmaking impact guarding the three-point line, but also just overall, he held opposing players to 6% below their average and is doing that while I believe he had the highest percentage of his minutes spent guarding the opposing player's lead perimeter guy out of any guard in the NBA. The thing is, Bridges is right up there in terms of degree of difficulty, like when it comes to his matchups and his great off-ball, and is just super smart. Like Mikel Bridges is just a great perimeter defender. I still don't think he has the ceiling. I still don't think he has the intimidation factor of Matisse Thibel. But mm-hmm. I mean, as an all-around guy, checking guards. You know, he doesn't really handle the big wings as well, but he doesn't need to to be a great all-around defender. Yeah, I mean, so that's honestly what I considered. Who can guard Giannis, though? Nobody. Uh, Just laughing at that 50-piece? Yeah, well, sure. That was peak Giannis. That was just, I don't know, crazy stuff. So, yeah, that was maybe it for me. And, like, as we get into the second team, I just wish I could have had more bigs. (laughs) Like, my second team guards, I just feel... I just wish I could add more players for real. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, go through your second team, and then I'll talk about the guys who it's bumming me to leave off. Uh, here, I'll start off with two guys that have bummed me to leave off. Okay.
2: Draymond and Drew Holiday. It sucked. Mm. Um, here's my NBA second team. Fred Van Vliet, Herb Jones, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, Rob Williams, and Rudy Gobert.
0: Okay. So we have a lot of similarity. Herb. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah, I liked him because his name was
2: Herb. Yeah. And he... So, do you have two guards there? No, I didn't. I said screw it for the all-defense okay. second team. I went with Herb at my second guard spot. Okay, interesting.
0: I don't know if I, uh, that's permissible. Oh. I went off the rails. I got a little well, too zany, huh? Herb is uh, probably plays more at the five than he does in the backcourt. I mean, Herb does everything. He's a wing. He's a big, but... I mean, I guess you're not trying to argue that he's a backward guy. You're just saying that you literally don't care about the rules. Yeah,
2: I just, I just don't. I mean, he's <laughs> yeah. In this case, I, I couldn't really come up with another. It was either I had to make a decision between Herb Jones and Drew Holiday, and I did mm-hmm. consider Drew. I mean, Drew's a fantastic defender. I went I have with Herb. Um, okay. Yeah. I don't know. It's
0: just tough because Herb Jones is quite literally not a guard. No, he's not at all. Yeah. Don't care. Uh, okay. <laughs> don't care. <sighs> Dude, what a great draft pick, though. Can I be honest with you? I'm still choosing my second second team guard All right,
2: here, spot. I'll i fill, fill in some I want to have Gary
0: Payton the second, but he plays, like, <laughs> 17 minutes a game. I guess I'll go with Derek White. Bruh. It's, I don't know. Over Herb? Like, dude, this is the thing. Wait, wait, Herb isn't over, a guard. Wait, wait, wait. over Van Vliet. Yeah, I think I so. I think cold. I think that's cold. I, I don't. I think that as much of a dog as Van Vliet is and as good of a defensive season as he's had and as smart as he is and as consistent as his effort is, you know, there's still just a little bit of a physical limitation. I mean, the guy is... Bruh. The guy is six foot on a good day. What? Is that not true? He's a dog, dude? Well, I'm just saying, these are the nuances that come into these conversations. No team forces more turnovers than Toronto. Yeah, because everybody around him has 7'7 seven, seven wingspans. Dude, I think I think Van Vliet... I, Man Lee's a really good defensive guard. He's one of my first couple he guys off. He's fantastic. He's fantastic. Gary Payton II, though, I think is the best defender minute per minute out of these candidates who we're talking about. And maybe that's did you just give my him philosophy. The nod?
2: Did you give him the nod?
0: I'm still figuring that out. No, it's either him or Derek you White. You want to go with Derek White? Go with go with GP2. Should I? I literally... Yeah, never, you know what? I don't care. You know, I'm going to go with Gary Payton II. That's second. a gripe. I gave you a Gary Payton II shirt. You did. You I want me to bro. wear it more?
2: Yeah, I've never seen you in it. Okay, I'll wear it more.
0: But it was a great gift.
2: Yeah, I think, bro, if you think GP two is one of the best on the planet, um, what about? Let me let me ask you about uh, some of these other guards. What about like? uh, I think Derek White makes a good case. I genuinely do.
0: Yeah. Um, Dejounte Murray, Pat Bev, and any any love? Uh, Dejounte, in terms of playmaking but I think that he had some regression as an overall defender this year just with the load that increased offensively. Mm -hmm. Pepev I do not acknowledge to exist as a human being. (laughs) I'm going to go with GP too, though, you know, because why not, right? I mean, like, at the end of the day, if I feel meh about the other selections, I mean, GP is an absolute clamp. He's a big-time defensive playmaker. He's a great athlete. He has some of the best instincts. The guy averaged 1.4 steals a game in 17 and a half minutes per game. I mean, it's... Almost three steals per thirty-six, and and he's bouncy. Like he he just gets his hands involved with everything, and is just so consistently engaged. And yeah, you know Derek White plays some more minutes, but I I I've decided that for all defense, I'm just gonna start to value more the guys who are straight up the best defenders. And so I think I'm gonna do that with my boy GP. And then when it comes to Drew. It's just almost de facto. I think he's just so obviously always one of the best defensive guards in basketball. It's kind of that simple. I just think he's a better defender than the other guys. And then my front court is Robert Williams, Giannis, and Bam. Any other thoughts on all defense? I'm just you're just kind of staring at me. Yeah. It's kind of freaking I mean, me. I'm out. just
2: I'm just kind of in disbelief you can put Herb Jones on your team. Yeah. Well, again, I, I'm sorry. Did I didn't you say you had Rob Williams spot. or not? Yeah, I do. So did you go with Giannis too? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, good choices.
0: I Um, wish I could have had Jared Allen on here, but there's just not a spot. Just like there wasn't a spot for Herb Jones because my front court spots were taken.
2: You're talking minute per minute. If we're going game per game, I mean, Draymond
0: is easily on this. Oh, my God. Draymond's easily first team. Well, that's an interesting point now. Am I contradicting myself if I'm not talking about minutes per game mattering, but games played does matter? Ooh, this is a complicated thing that I'm getting into here, and I don't want to explore it. So let's
2: let's go to all rookie teams. Yeah,
0: if Draymond had played more than 43 games, no doubt. I mean, he would have to be here. Oh, this is an interesting dilemma. I may have created a logical fallacy for myself, but you know what? We don't need to get into that right now. Okay, all rookie. I think first team is super obvious, and I think it's a really, really good first team. In fact, I can't remember, not off the top of my head at least, a fifth guy who I I was like,
2: was this good. Honestly, I also think think all these guys complement each other. I think this would oh, be a you want really, to see these guys actually run? I, I think this would be an awesome five It would be pretty fun. Um, assuming we have the same team. I have Cade, Jalen Green, Franz Wagner, Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley. Yeah. Okay. We do. Um, we already talked about Cade. Uh, Jalen has you know, played so much better as the season has gone along. I love – I don't know if you saw his press conference the other day. Uh, a reporter asked Jalen Green, uh,
0: what have you learned about yourself this season? And he goes, then I'm a bucket. Dude, I – I haven't seen that clip, but I was going to predict that that's what he said. And and he is. He is. I love the raw confidence. Um, Jalen is a bucket
2: dude. He's a lot of fun to watch. I was skeptical of Jalen heading into the draft. I don't know why I was. Carson Compton to Zach Levine. I think that is a money comp. I think that, I don't know. I, I think the interesting story, three games through April, I do want to say, he's putting up 31. Dude has been he's on He scored fire. 30 and
0: five straight games. Yeah. 51. First rookie to do
2: so since Allen Iverson, who had Forty in five straight games wow a 51 44 78 splits while well, he's putting up 31 here through three games in april um
0: post I, all-star break he's 22 a night on 59 percent true yeah, shooting
2: like he is an ice cold bucket and time will tell um i think Jalen is a, a potential star scoring guard um you know, yes. time will tell if he's suited to have the ball in his hands and if he's going to be a winning player. And what I mean by that is, you know, in just terms of getting the ball in the flow of an eye. Because he does. J- Jalen likes to chuck. If Jalen's got a shot, he's going to shoot it. Um, but he's 100% deserving of being on this team. I think he was just out of, like, the rookie of the year conversation just because of how bad the start of uh, uh-huh. the season was. Yeah. Uh, Jalen is a stone-cold bucket, though. And,
0: uh, yeah, I mean, he's a bucket. That's
2: yeah. all I can say about Jalen, man. He gets, he gets buckets.
0: Yeah. I mean I thought he was the best perimeter scoring prospect we'd seen in at least 5 years. You just don't see that blend of athleticism, skill, shooting ability, uh, body control like he just
2: he's just has different, it all. man. He's yeah, just handle. different.
0: He really is. And so it's super fun to see these guys just take their time a little bit but then they find it. Happened with Cade, happened with and Jalen, he's... happens with rookies all the time. <sighs> happened with Ant last year. It's like clockwork, dude, but the dogs come out eventually.
2: Dude, he is a shooter, man. Like Oh yeah. Like uh against San Antonio and Sacramento, 6 of 15, 6 of 14, 6 of 14. Like, bro. Tough shots,
0: dude. He takes tough threes because he can create them. I mean, he just creates so much space with every stride. He covers so much ground. And his body control going in any direction is just really, really impressive. He's built to score the basketball. He was made in a lab to score.
2: Yeah, well said. Um, Next guy on here, I've got Franz Wagner. Franz. I had a dilemma, you know, Wagner or Giddy. I went with Wagner. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, I just think Wagner was a better rookie. I think Wagner yeah. meant more to winning basketball. You see him. This is this is something I have trouble admitting, uh, especially live on radio and live on this podcast. You're I bald. <laughs> <laughs> I am very bald. For those who have not seen me, um, I look like I look like Mister Clean. I've been compared to Jeff Bezos. This Jesse sucks. Pinkman jesse pinkman jesse has more hair than you do though he actually does yes i'm very bald um one another thing i have trouble admitting outside of me being bald the entire cast of american history x oh wow <laughs> <laughs> the team that i watched most this year was the orlando magic that's so weird it's so weird Sick. i don't know why it's man. Twisted. i would just be chilling on... of jalen suggs that's probably why i just be chilling probably because of jalen suggs i'd just be chilling on my couch i love a lot of the guys there man cole anthony that's my guy suggsy is my guy So I watch a lot of Franz Wagner, too. Um, The floater game, man, being able to play within the flow of an offense, Franz doesn't make a ton of bad decisions. Um, He's either taking an open three, he's getting to his floater spot, he's getting to the rack getting out in transition, or he's moving it within the flow of an offense. And he's a winning player. I like mm-hmm. Franz a lot. 15-5-3 this year on 47-35-86 splits. I didn't like Franz coming into the year in the draft. I was like, this guy's a bum. He doesn't do anything special. He's also really good defensively. Yeah, Franz is, we use this term a lot here on uh, Nerd Sesh. He is a Swiss Army knife yep. through and through, and he's a versatile guy. Um, yep. I think he was more of a winning player than Josh Giddy this year, and that's uh-huh. why I gave him the nod. Look, the Magic did not win a whole lot of games. The Thunder did not win a whole lot of games. Franz meant more
0: to winning than Giddy. That was my ultimate distinction. I also, I, Again, I just think he's a better rookie. I yeah. just think he's a better rookie. Yeah, it's rare that you see a guy with the all-around skill set and production and efficiency and two-way value of Franz this year. And I wasn't super high on him. None of us were, me, you, or Carvel. I did think he was going to be a solid guy because of kind of the Swiss Army knife element and that he could do a little bit of everything, but he had a really, really strong year and I think is a no-brainer. And then Scotty, Evan Mobley, we don't need to talk about those guys anymore, but that's a really strong five, I think. All right, second-team All-Rookie, who do you have? <laughs> uh, second-team All-Rookie, I have got uh, Ayo, yep. Sunmu, Bones Highland,
2: oh. Josh Giddey, uh Herb Jones, Jonathan Kuminga.
0: Okay. The only difference is I have Chris Duarte over Interesting. Bones Highland. Interesting. And... Uh, yeah, did I? Nah, did I overlook Duarte? Let me see. I mean, I think that he ended up playing 55 games in the year, I want to say. But, like, I just think minute per minute. I love Bones. He's a bucket. He stepped up in a big way and filled a big role. But Duarte was giving you 13 a game, 37% from deep.
2: I think I'm still rocking with Bones, okay. man. Okay.
0: So what do you think is the argument for Bones? I don't know. <laughs> just being a bucket. I'm looking at his per thirty-six
2: numbers right now. I want to see if nineteen per thirty six. I wanna Duarte got a lot of run, man. That's my yeah, only that's thing. True, sure. Um and I'm trying to think who would I rather want? I don't know. Duarte's a tough bucket too, dude. I don't want to act like he's not. Like they are both tough bucket getters. Yeah, I just think Bones is a better bucket. That's that's gonna be my argument. I think sure. Bones is a better score in, in terms of those roles. Um I think Duarte could be a really good Uh, really good. I think Duarte could be a
0: good six man. I think Busy is nasty. Busy Bones, that Uh, is, for those who don't know. I like his game a lot. I mean, he can create tough buckets. He's a big-time pure shooter. His playmaking is pretty solid, but I do think with Duarte, there's just more of the Veteran subtleties given that he's t- He's 24, given that he's 24 years old. He yeah. shouldn't even be here. Well, you know, if he's you like want to hold Jamario that against Moon him.
2: Moon in yeah,
0: LeBron's rookie year. I'm just not holding that against him. But uh, Bones was a little bit more efficient as a shooter. He was on a better team. Yeah. His role got significantly more important as the year went along. And he went to VCU. And he went to VCU. And his nickname yeah. is Bones. I actually don't have a problem with that. I just think Duarte started the year really strong, and we do tend to have, I think, a little bit of a recency bias in terms of yeah. Bones finished the year better. Duarte, as the year went along, didn't play as many games. The Pacers were just horrible. He wasn't quite as strong as he was to start the year. I thought about Davion a little bit for one of these backcourt spots. Actually, I might make an audible.
2: I think and that might be. I think
0: that might be. Actually, he's progressed a lot,
2: Dude, Offensively, this Davion the year has, has gone been along. So der- you know what? Screw that. I, I actually, I'm, Davion I'm okay. going Davion in my other guard spot. That's a great take. Are you keeping
0: Io? I'm keeping Io. Yeah, I think Io has to be. I, there. Just I mean, think just... Io
2: and like look, yeah, you can look at raw production for Duarte or for Bones.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Io is a winning player. 100 percent. I love that kid, dude. He's he's a good shooter. He plays tough defense. He hustle. He's been starting
0: for the Bulls sometimes. I love Io. I... Such a predictable steal. He's Everybody just... knew he was going to be a steal. Yeah, hundred percent. Io
2: is. I'm just I don't know if I always like star potential or anything, man, but I just know he's a good he's a damn good basketball player that yeah. wins and Davion. I think Davion's got star written on him. What he has been doing recently with
0: uh mm-hmm.
2: with uh Foxy out with the Kings starting him instead. I mean, dude, thirty pieces, like ten assist games, yeah, playing hard defense. Like, dude, he genuinely I know a lot of people comp this to him, maybe just because of his name, maybe because of his skill set. I know a lot of people comp him. Um To Donovan Mitchell, he has those flashes, dude, in the mid-range where I'm like, wow, he's just a tough bucket. Uh I don't think he ever has that ceiling. I think there's some athletic differences, but he is a damn tough bucket. And I I will say, this last game against New Orleans, um, I think he was the—who was the other guy? I liked the post. I even put it on my story. Davion had 17 assists um, against the Pelicans, and I think he was like the second— Like, the
0: youngest King player since somebody. I'm going to pull it up so I can get the actual stat on here. I mean, so just to give further context, in these last nine games in which he's really been running the offense, nine assists, seven assists, nine assists, nine assists, assists, eight assists, 10 assists, nine assists, 17 assists, and he's got five twenty pieces in a row at one point there. Yeah, exactly. But that's the thing that's tough is, like, obviously, I mean, that's super impressive, but the year as a whole... He hasn't been at that level and it was a rough shooting year for him it was rough all around scoring and efficiency year but i don't know the playmaking and the defense i think in terms of hmm but nope. i'm conflicted now too nobody works harder than davion um and
2: i i don't want to just give him that edge but i also 48.
0: just 48.6 true shooting on the year though i That's just think so
2: rough i just think davion is a better player than these guys i think he's a better I think player he will in, be. i think he's a better player in duarte i'd want him over duarte i think he's a better player in bones i'd want him over bones um, I think he's a better player than Io. I think Davion actually, uh, I don't know. Maybe this is just this recent stretch of me talking. Like He's just been so damn impressive. He has. And as for the number, um, Kenny Smith, the
0: only other uh, rookie in Kings history to put up 17 assists in a game. Davion's 23, though, so he's actually ineligible for your all-rookie team. Sadly. <laughs> good point, good point. Yeah. I don't think that's a bad choice at all. I think you could go either way. So then we have the same front court. I mean, I think that Herb has to be here. I mean, just a winning basketball player through and through, dude. Legit plus defender, super versatile, good passer, 57% true shooting, efficient as a score. 1.7 steals a game, 0. 0.8 blocks a game, uh, just fearless, smart. Giddy, I think the raw production is kind of undeniable. You know, 12 eight and six and a half. I mean, yeah, abysmal true shooting, 48%, but just a genius level passer, obviously from the jump and put in a brutal situation if you were going to ask him to be efficient. When he came in with an already really underdeveloped scoring skill set that remains underdeveloped. Like, that's the part of his game that he needs to figure out. But I don't know. You don't see rookies produce like that enough you know, to leave him off of an all-rookie team. It's yeah. pretty rare. In fact, how many rookies have ever averaged 12, 8, and 6? I'm going to look that up. Well said. You don't see rookies with a tick-tock quite like this that's and exactly you leave
2: them off of right. all-rookie team. That's what Carson said. That is yeah, what yeah, I man, said. Um, giddy, you know, trying to turn ugly sometimes. when I watch him try to turn to that floater. Oh, he's going to shoot.
0: It's it's, a, it's absolutely hideous. It's actually hard to watch. He's a bad scorer. <laughs> and this up. is what I said about him the entire time. He's a bad scorer, but that doesn't mean that he can't overcome that. Yeah, he's no got doubt. a lot of life left. Um, there's a lot of
2: time, and I mean, there's a lot of stuff to like him on the glass, him in transition, in the flow of an offense. Like, look, bro, if Giddy never becomes a really dominant scorer, yeah, I think I think he's like a, I don't know, what's a comp? A big Rubio. That's what I think I've said that before.
0: Yeah, I don't know if there's that's right. similarities there.
2: Um there's a ceiling on him as a player if he doesn't ever obviously, you know, come along as a jump shooter, but I trust it. And I trust Oklahoma I'm so glad he went to Oklahoma City though, because I can't think of many better situations where he could actually what outside of going to the G League and developing his game. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. So, I answered my own question now. Are you ready for the list of players to average 12, 7.5, and 6 as a rookie? Can I guess? Sure. It's four guys, including Giddy. LeBron. No. I give up. <laughs> okay. It's Oscar Robertson, Magic Johnson, and Ben Simmons. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. But they all did it on at least 8% better true shooting than Josh Giddy. Wow, so. <laughs> that
2: di- even Ben?
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but I still think he has to be here. And then Kaminga is the toughest one for me in the front court. I thought about Sengun. I did think about Sengun, but dude, Kaminga is so good. I mean, yeah, the raw production is eh, nine three and one, but fifty nine percent true shooting plus him plus defense understood his role athletically popped. I just think kind of really dare I say overachieved expectations in I almost so every too. way. I mean. I was confident that, like, his athleticism bro, would translate, but he's just a good all-around basketball
2: player. And you look at games where they gave him run. I mean, he had some 20 pieces out here. You had, you know, some... Like, again, I don't think... It was just amazing that a guy who... I think Kuminga is still underdeveloped skill-wise. I did. Mm-hmm. He had some flashes with his three, I will say. It was just so impressive for a guy who's underdeveloped skill-wise to dominate this physically, this
0: young. Yeah. Um, and his basketball just mattered a lot more than Sengun's. 100%. It mattered a lot more. I'm was like, there anybody
2: else you considered? Sengun was a fun
0: watch. Um, yeah. Let me see. I don't want I don't, to... <laughs> let me make sure this is not the dumbest thing I could say on air. Yeah, please don't make it the dumbest thing you could say on air.
2: I liked watching Isaiah Jackson play a lot of basketball. He played 34 games. I'm fascinated by... Okay. I like Isaiah Jackson a lot. Um. I briefly considered him. Not over Sengun, yeah. but... Sengun's a lot of fun to watch. He I is. Think he's he was a probably, joy. I think he was probably my first off. Sengun's probably—I
0: I wonder if they're going to give him the edge. I think Sengun might make it. Yeah, I wouldn't object. I mean, he's very fun to watch. His offensive skill as a scorer and playmaker, bo- obviously. He, my, he's a bonus, in my opinion, dude. Yeah, we've talked about that before. It's a, a reasonable, fair comp. Just that more athletic's a bonus? Yeah. No, they have a lot of similarities. All right. There you have it, ladies and that gentlemen. Was, that was that was us talking basketball. That was it. It's done now. You can stop listening. But if you want to know where you can find more stuff just like this, well, the good news is that's what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> have you ever heard of social media? Well, if you have, I've got some great news. We're all over it, baby. TikTok is at NerdSesh. Instagram is at NerdSesh. Twitter, Twitch are at Nerd underscore Sesh. You can find us in all of those places. You can also listen to the podcast on all audio platforms, Spotify, Apple, Wherever you get your content, you can check us out on YouTube. As Logan said, you can check out our website, nerdsesh.com. And with that, as always, I have been Carson Braver. I have been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sesh.
1: Live Nation presents Concert Week.
0: And you will not believe where he's going next.
1: The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more...